It's time for a shift. This is the shift. Big change, big things in the phase. Yeah. Big change, big things in the phase. Yeah. Oh, name. What's your name, sister? My name is Lucretia Johnson. Lucretia Johnson. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm not going to ask where you're from because you're from here. Where were you born? <laughs> I was born in the United States in the state of Georgia. Okay. In a little town called, well, technically I was born in a little town next door called Albany, but I was raised in Cordell. Okay. And and um, how was life like at the time when you were young? How did it start for you? Um life started for me well i enjoyed my upbringing and my growing up uh however i was raised in the south okay which comes with its own encumbrances of being black in america so break it down what you mean by that um so especially being in a small town there mm -hmm. were things like we had separate proms and separate homecomings based on race yeah. Even at your age, when you were young. <laughs> my age. That, that's not so long when ago. I was in high school. No, it's not that. I mean. It's pretty. It's been a while, but not, not, not that. Yeah. You know, people thinking about the 60s. And, no. And this is recent. Yeah. This was, um, what, 2000s. Um, they also, they still had them until a few years ago. Because I had some younger cousins that were still in high school. So, I know they... I think maybe three or four years ago they finally stopped having them. Just so. recently, three or four years ago. Yeah, maybe five years ago. 2017, yeah. it was still happening. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I'll say. Wow. Yeah. So. So how did you feel? I mean, growing up, you didn't have an understanding of a lot of things. I don't know how your family setting was like. No, let's start from home. Okay. How was family like? I mean, were they kind of pro-black where your daddy would talk to you about Africa and all that stuff or so, uh, empower you as a black person or they was just normal just living their life so mostly there was like a, I guess a nuance to it um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young mm. I am the youngest oh. my siblings are 11 and 8 years older than me mm. so I clearly wasn't oops baby but <laughs> uh, so but um, my my father was not very uh, appreciative of white people at all. Like oh. even still to mm. this day, they did not. Um, my mother, she knew how to work into the system that she was forced to live in and mm. to be in. Um, so it, so that being said, they did not speak a lot about Africa or anything. That's just not something that they. They did, but they did speak a lot about knowing your history and education and making sure that you are involved in the system the way in ways you can to change it for your better and for the next generation's better. Uh, they were really, really big on voting. Like they have my entire family. Like mm. we just that's kind of a a thing. Like when people say, Call your family and make sure they vote, they I, that's something I've never ever had to do. They mm. always mm. My mother used to take me to the polls with her when I was younger. Forced? Or did you just go willingly? I just went, went willingly. Okay. Um, I kind of liked it. They would give me a stick or two and I couldn't. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but they, it was major for them because of where I grew up. Voter suppression is not mm. a joke. It's, mm. it's very mm. real. Mm. Very real. And so, um, 
they have always, you know, stressed the importance of things like things like that. So my upbringing was that because my siblings were so much older than me, I didn't really have anybody to play right, with. Right, right, right. You so, were by yourself. Yes. So they would throw books at me to um which I thought growing up was fun. Mm-hmm. But it turned out they was just trying to get rid of me, but it turned out to be fun <laughs> for me. So um, I still enjoy reading and very, and I mean, that was definitely an asset to me to be an mm-hmm. avid reader so young. So. Mm-hmm. so so when you left home, anytime you got to school, I know it's a whole lot of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's mixed in school, you know, it's yes. not. So how did you feel? Knowing very well that one side of uh, your dad actually didn't like, you know, a particular type of people that much. Not not dislike them, but then he was not very cool with them. And you maybe having friends, did you, did it make you feel some type of way? Or you thought it was just, you know, did it have any impact on you not also having um, that kind of feeling for them? So I'm actually, I'm not that close with my father. I mean, I obviously know him and know right, his right, and everything. Right, right. So it wasn't something that I dealt with every day okay. with seeing that. I just know that that's very starchly how mm-hmm. he was. Um, I don't, I, but I didn't have mm. white friends. Like you, you didn't really have, in my hometown, you didn't have friends amongst mm. the races. Mm. So um, I didn't have them. And although my mother wasn't as outwardly, stay away as my father was she still said basically stay it wasn't necessarily safe for me to be out with a group of white people like Mm. just that wasn't gonna be a good night that wasn't gonna be a good time for me so wow yeah wow so what do you have an instance that you say that you were racially abused you know growing up do you have one story that you can tell that really hurt you like they got at you in a different way? Um, I want to say authors... Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> I was about to say um, I didn't that I could think of because we were so segregated, mm-hmm. but I did. Um, it was in I, when I was in high school, so I've always had this problem with... It's not a problem, but it doesn't always work out in my favor. Mm-hmm. If you say or do something wrong in my presence... I won't necessarily let it stand. Like, I'll tell you, this makes no sense. Right. Um, so that kind of happened with the teacher, uh, an algebra teacher I had. Uh, there were some women that looked like me who had seen pregnancies. Mm-hmm. She was talking about them. I was like, y'all do it too? What are you? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what's, what's, you know, different from, yeah. from me? You know? <laughs> so the same thing. she flunked me. Uh, I was like an honest student. I never, my mother then stepped in and kind of took over from that. But uh, yeah, that she flunked me and it would have kept me from being in the courses I wanted to be the next year. I would have to retake her class. It was, I'm not even sure how she was trying to justify it because I, like I passed every, and so yeah, she, she flunked me. So that was pretty much that's the only experience you had there were other experiences but the thing about being so heavily segregated is that you don't necessarily you're not having instances every day because you don't even though you go to school with them you're not hanging out with them you're just in the class uh you when you go home you don't hang out with you live 
where you live, everyone looks like you. So you don't have necessarily... And also, I think a lot of times when people think the South, they think maybe something they see in a movie that was set in the 60s or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not in the store calling me out of my name. It's other ways of disrespect. Like, you're standing in line to pay for something and someone may pretend like they don't see you and get in front of you. And then you have to say something. Mm. But even then, they, they're not going to call you a racial... I right. mean, they will, but I have not had that experience not where that I could. Experience. Where Is they it because you're light skin? I probably would have gotten it back. <laughs> I am not light skin. That is such a. Uh... No, you're lighter than I am. <laughs> Yes, I, I am. Mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I would have gotten it maybe because they see you and, you know, you, you keep smiling. And they're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I think she's cool. So, I mean, we're not going to do that to her, but I probably would have gotten it. Don't you, think, don't you think so? Maybe. It's also because, I mean, I'm a woman and I was, when I lived at home, I was a teenager. I was mm. underage. So, there's only, you know, uh, so I'm not as equal to a threat to them as I am now as an adult. And they don't see me. They would not have saw me as the same threat necessarily. Mm. So what was what was your setting like? The neighborhood you lived in? What was the setting like? Was it uh, predominantly black? Or yes. Why was it mixed? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it okay. wasn't mixed even a little bit. Okay. It was uh, completely black. Okay. So if you leave that neighborhood and you go into other neighborhoods, I mean, school would take you everywhere. How was it feeling? Like, did you feel uh, lonely, kind of, you know, in certain places? Because sometimes it will be only you among the many other people. No. So that's the other thing about the South is that there is typically more black people mm. than white it's just the power dynamics Mm. and the way they set up things so i there were always they did not live in my neighborhood but there was always white people around we only had one high school Mm -hmm. and so you either went to the private school Mm -hmm. or you went to our public high school okay it's a small town in the south a lot of them aren't necessarily rich either to go to the private school so they went to public school with us so Mm. i I saw them all day every day Mm. so yeah So, so, um, at what point in time did you hear about Africa or did you start thinking about it? Was it something that they kept telling you about at home or was there a particular book you read or were there any mentors that you were looking at? What, what brought, what brought about Africa in your scene? So I actually took French in high school and my French teacher was a black African immigrant. Okay. He was from a country that was colonized, of course, by the French. French. French yeah. So he spoke French, and so that's how he he taught. I took French from him for three years. Mm. I retained none of it, so I can't. How old were you then? <laughs> um, I was in the tenth grade mm-hmm. when I started, or the ninth grade. So I would have been probably fourteen or fifteen. Okay. Um. I've heard about Africa before, but that was, I guess, my first kind of, mm. yeah. Right. So, what, what, what are the some some of the things that he did that actually made you like Africa more, or made you actually decide that someday I want to get on the land to see was actually there. Uh, one of the first things he did was just like how we can be portrayed on TV as that's not really an mm-hmm. authentic black American. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing with Africa. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you don't know that there are technological advances 
here just like there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the first thing he did, like was show pictures of mm-hmm. his home country and was like, it's not just you know what you see and so the lions on the street yeah it's like (laughs) there is not a lion coming to your bedroom door while you are (laughs) (laughs) so and this sounds crazy but there are really depictions of africa like that on our tv so um Yeah. yeah so that was one of the first things he did um and it gave me then kind of to start doing what we are doing now, but I don't normally do, which is I don't speak about Africa like it is one country. Mm -hmm, It is. mm -hmm, I'm like, mm -hmm. there are several countries. I mean, before you thought thought it was just one country. No, I didn't, but that's the way you're... I knew there were multiple countries, Mm -hmm. but the way it is depicted or the way it's spoken about normally, Mm -hmm. you don't... You won't break it down like that. Like, this is completely... You'll just be like, oh... Someone will say I'm going to Africa, or someone will be like he's from Africa, and I'm like, okay, where? And oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, at least you had an idea of because most people think Africa is just one country. Yes, and <laughs> and everybody's living under in a mud house or some. Uh, I mean, people are realizing now that all those things were lies. Yes. What are some of the things? What are some of the programming ideas that was kind of forced on you when you were young about being black or being African? Um, so I have always had a strong sense of self because Mm -hmm. of the way I grew up. That was something that was very, very pushed in my household Mm -hmm. to always know certain things about yourself so no one else can ever attack it. Right. So I didn't necessarily have things pushed on me about Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. Black, like, I just, yeah, I just, right. um, I mean, I'm, sh- I know it was tried, but it just that just wasn't right, right. It so was, some of the some of the things that were tried. Can you give us some of the things that would? Um, even to this day, you don't write well. Before I, they even read, I write. We don't. You. Mm. There's an issue with your with your grammar, mm. or there is. I mean, it goes, and that was, that's been one of the, probably the largest things that's been present throughout my life. Or someone reading something I wrote, not knowing I wrote it, commenting about how great it is, then realizing it was me. It's like, well, you could change this up, or you can change. <laughs> so, yeah. So, how long did this, uh, did this friend teacher uh, teach you for? How long was it? How long, you know? did it take for him to actually put Africa in your eyes in a different way? Oh, well, I think it was pretty quickly because because of the way, like I said, I was aware of Africa, and uh, but I was surprised to have a, a teacher from an African country speaking French mm-hmm. because the way our history is taught, you kind of forget that somebody other than Great Britain colonized right. other, yeah, and so right. it, it's like, oh, or even, and when I say forget, it's something that you may have learned on your own, mm-hmm. or read, mm-hmm. but it's like one sentence in our mm-hmm. history book, if at all, about the other colonies. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was the first thing. I was like, oh, he speaks French, and then he spoke, of course, his native language, and English, of course, so, right. yeah. Wow. So after him, what happened? 
So after him, uh, I went to college. Okay. <laughs> uh, which I didn't really think about. Which college was it? Uh, so I started off at Georgia Southern, which okay. is still in Georgia okay. in a small southern town. Okay. And two years into my four-year program, I realized I just can't live like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you have to bring change to your life, huh? Yes. I was like, this is, I am tired of this. Uh, so I, um, I left and I moved to North Carolina. Okay. And went to UNCG, which is still, North Carolina is still the South, but Greensboro is a, what we call a mid-sized city. Right. And full of colleges, so it's a completely different right. community and lifestyle. Right. What did you study? Like, what did you major in college? Political science. Okay. Um, because I always knew I intended to go to law school, so... Okay. Um, I, political science was the avenue that I chose to mm-hmm. get me there. Did, did you have people that were from Africa that you met over there that you actually learned stuff from as well? Yeah. Or along your journey, you just made your choices on your own? Yeah, so um, but a little bit of both. So at Georgia Southern, there were that was probably where I had the most interaction with um it was actually Nigerians. Mm. Uh, so there was a, a rather large community of them there. I'm still in contact with... A lot of them. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I started to, you know, learn a little bit more about... But I still won't say that I was fully immersed or knew anything until years later. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so then it was just the learning on my own and knowing that I wanted to travel different places. I've always wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is, but I have mostly always traveled alone. Like, so not in groups or not with a friend Mm -hmm. and you have to keep in mind that no matter how much you read, you still are indoctrinated to where you are. And part of those things is that, well, it's not safe for you to travel to, Africa alone, or alone. so it took me a little longer than I intended to get to West Africa. Wow, so wh- which country did you get, get to first? Ghana was Ghana. first, uh, and yeah, you've always <laughs> been in Ghana since, huh? Yes, um, I went to North Africa before Ghana, and yeah. it, well, that it's part, North Africa. yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That part is now quite Africa, but no. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we will accept it. I yeah. mean, it's fine. You know, I think, you know, because it wasn't nothing they could do about it. Yeah. Because it's our land, and they brought these people in just to, you know, I mean, it's all good. I yes. mean, if they want to belong, <laughs> we accept people. Yes. It's nothing. It's okay. But, yeah, 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 it's, it's been quite interesting, I mean, looking at where you started from and moving you know, from the smaller towns coming up and and people changing your perceptions of, on things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially you being black and being African and being a woman, uh, people advising you and telling you why you shouldn't travel on your own <laughs> to the motherland. And why do you think it's like that? Because people will just, if you say, oh, I'm going to Paris, 
Everybody cool. No one's the ever The UK, yeah. you know. But then to Africa, it becomes another subject. Yeah. Even from within your family. Why do you think it's so? So it, what, it hasn't necessarily been from within my family to not try. Because my family, they are used to me traveling no, alone. I'm, I'm generalizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but from other, it's because... I mean, it, we know why. It's because this is where the black people are. And so having never been here on their own or actually knowing, they're just on some obscure article that they may have read at one point in time mm. and not even the article, just the headline that something happened here to some traveler. And they're like, well, you can never go. And I'm like, well, actually, my city in the United States is far more dangerous than me being yeah, in, <laughs> in Ghana. Yeah, so, yeah. Pe- yeah. People don't actually realize that. No, most people out there think that it's, it's crazy in Africa than it is in the United States. But actually, yeah. it's the opposite, you know, and, and it's good that the shift is going on. And, you know, people like you will come here, go back and educate the many others about how it is, you know, over here. Your first trip flying into Ghana, what inspired that? And how did you come about that decision? So my first trip, uh, it was the year of return. Recently? Yeah, my very first oh. trip <laughs> was the year of return. Okay. And so um, I started like a new venture and I just worked way too much that year and I was like mm. I'm doing I'm going to take two weeks off and not do any work right and I was like I'm finally going to go to Ghana yeah. I've been wanting mm-hmm. to go so um I came I stayed for I think I was actually I was actually supposed to go to Nigeria first mm-hmm. then come to Ghana mm-hmm. there was an e- issue with um my visa in the mm. Nigerian embassy. I already had my Ghanaian visa, so I was just... So you just made the move. Yeah. Mm. So I just kept the... Um, I just extended this trip here, which I'm very glad I did mm. uh, because I wanted to stay longer but had already planned to right, right, go back right. once I got here. And then um, I came... I was supposed to come back again in March of 2020, but, mm-hmm. well, we... The board is closed. <laughs> so. Yeah. so were you scared, like, preparing to come? Did you have any kind of fear in you? Or you no. were like, whatever happens, happens. Let me just go. <laughs> no, I had no fear. Because in my mind, at this point, I've traveled to all these other countries, European and Spanish mm-hmm. and different things. And I'm like, if something was going to happen to you, it's, it was going to happen there. Yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, Yes, no. Um, I didn't have any. So what was the feeling like when you touched down the first time at Kotoka International Airport? The first, the the honestly first feeling I had was, mm-hmm. it is so hot. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just just put it in, 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 a, in a scene, like just, you know, yeah. tell us how it happened, like. So the for my very first time mm-hmm. here was different because it was the year of return. So mm-hmm. not, it has not been like any of the other trips. Mm-hmm. But there was this bustling airport. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people immediately available to mm-hmm. help with different things. And that's still the c- case when I come. So um, I guess my first feeling was, it's hot. I'm finally here. I want some food. So like, that was... <laughs> 
<laughs> I want some Ghanaian food. Right, right, So right. that was my uh, mm. first feeling. Did so. you have any contact here before? I did. So um, I had a friend that just traveled here a few times before. Okay. And he connects me via WhatsApp to some people that he right, knew here. Right, right. And one of them actually came to take me to dinner. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. How was the feeling like? Um, what was the feeling? Yeah, like your first time, you know, meeting somebody and they taking you out on the, you know, motherland but a foreign land at the same time. <laughs> um, I don't know. So it felt familiar. It felt just like if I was. Yeah, like a regular type. Yeah, it felt as if I was still in the U.S. and I was in a different city and a friend of a friend came to meet me and take me to dinner. Like, it felt very familiar. Yeah. What are some of the things that you found that you thought was quite challenging when you came the first time? Um, One of the things which is very is usually challenging for me is the bartering. I'm I'm so used to the system of this is what the price says and yeah. this is what the price is. Mm. Um and knowing when I am when I need to barter uh and when it's just you you don't have the skill for that. It's like I I get tired. I'm kind of like Can I mean I you, just... you... <laughs> You're just used to one system. That's exactly that. what it is. And so um, I'm much better at it now. But uh, mm. that was it. It was also um, realizing, because I haven't, as much as I've traveled, I haven't necessarily had this problem before. Mm. But that to most people here, I have an accent. So where whatever I'm saying seems extremely yeah, pe- clear to right. me. But then they don't understand what you're saying. Yes. And so it's knowing that slow down your speech a little, choose a different word, um, pick up on the words people around you using. Like one of the funniest things to me here is I say what I ate and it's like, what did you take? Mm. Is this? So, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just a few because you know here uh, we are taught the British type, yes. You know English, so it's like there'll be a few things that you say. You say hood, mm-hmm. they will say uh, bonnet. Yes. You say trunk, <laughs> they will say boot. You know, it, it's yeah. a whole lot of other things that it's not you know the same as America. So you you definitely find a few difficulties here and there. What has Ghana or Africa given to you that the United States did not? Because um, thinking about, you know, facilities and all that stuff, we are quite behind, you know. What do you think that Africa has given to you that America did not? Peace. Very much so. Peace. peace. And what do you mean by peace? Uh, So... I come here, while I'm here, I still work or whatever, but I have a sense of peace the moment I land that I don't get at home. Mm. Even when I I head back home, I feel the tightness returning to my body. Mm. Like when I land, and I, I'm just getting there. And so there is a sense of peace that I typically have here, whereas it's just, I am, no matter how logically I can tell myself at home that it's going to be fine, it'll work out, It'll be whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like the rest of my body doesn't believe it unless I'm. It's it's and it's a level of. 
when things happen to black Americans at home, something like some other horrendous shooting or something like that, I read it and it does not impact me the same Mm -hmm. way because you pick up on everybody else's energy and where they are and how it's impacting them. So even if you try to say, I'm not going to let it get to me this time like it has in the past, it's bothering and troubling to everybody around you. So it's impossible for you not to. It's time for a shift. This is the shift. Big change, big things in the phase. Yeah, big change, big things in the phase. Yeah.